0: Shopify already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Wondery, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Wondery.
1: Welcome to this podcast number 601. I will be performing in San Francisco December 11th, 12th, and 13th at Cobb's. Go to Cobb's website. I think it's cobscomedyclub.com, maybe? Or just Google Chris Hardwick Cobb's, and it'll come up. I probably should have had this information handy before I started <laughs> recording the intro, Katie. I apologize. I'm a very bad host. I apologize. Very sorry. This episode is Adam Savage. Who is promoting a, a dear old friend of mine. I don't mean he's old, a bit. we've been friends for a long time. He's a friend. He's and not an old friend and like, oh, it's a friend who's it's soured. It's an old friendship. No, we've been <laughs> friends for a long time. Um, and he's promoting Mythbusters Behind the Myth Tour, which starts today. Dates and tickets are on MythbustersTour.com. Adam and Jamie are on the road uh, doing a bunch of stuff. And he talks about it in this podcast. Always a delightful guest. Uh, it's Nerds Podcast number 601. Adam Savage returns. I'm 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 really good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now entering nerdist.com
1: in los angeles
2: you know pitching shit eating well
1: nice (laughs) what's
2: (laughs) on? what else is there to do in los angeles
1: um i think just those two things yeah
2: yeah i did thrilling adventure hour on saturday night oh you did yeah good i love the bends it's the bends are great and the show's amazing who else was on uh bradley whitford josh molina it was a fun it was a fun crowd good yeah kind of a west wing crowd. I know, I know, I know. And I just been I just started watching uh, Sports Night again. Oh, nice. How do you have
1: time to watch shows you've already seen. <laughs> it's every it's on Hulu, so I can do it wherever I Oh, am. wherever you are. I um I posted a couple things on Instagram that you were responsible for. Number 1, the Time Bandits map, which I've had Oh, framed. yes, I saw
2: that. I totally I think I retweeted that. Yes.
1: It, so it's, it's, it's been framed. I don't have it in my house yet, but I'm getting it back soon. Um, which will allow me to go back in time and rob uh, famous historical John Cleese, figures. John Cleese, or um, or, uh, or Ian Holm as Napoleon. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> also that picture that I took in with, your office with the Akbar mask. You and called the- it the vagina magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Akbar mask, cowboy <Hellboy laughs> coat, Blade Runner gun, and Noisy men Cricket, and Black Noisy Cricket. Yep. Yep, it was great. Phenomenal. It was such a good. I, I've been holding on to those for a while, and I'm like, oh, I finally got to post these. <laughs> um, but uh, you, you made the decker gun, right? The one you were holding. Yes, that's the one I built from scratch. Oh man, was that? Is that the final one? N- it's not quite done. <laughs> is it ever done? Nothing's ever. It's been. never. No, done. there's
2: always like something perfect that I need to do. There's. Uh, it, I bought some more parts to it to redo a couple things I over machined.
1: Oh man. But now you actually have, like, the machine shop is in fully it's working. It's in full bloom, although my lease is up soon. But it's in, it's yeah, the shop is really, really nicely appointed now. I remember when this shop was born. Was this because of Guillermo, or was this around, or was no, it just it coincidentally? The
2: same, it, it happened sort of concurrently. You mean, like, yeah, because when I met Guillermo at Comic-Con, whatever now, five years ago, he said, Come to my man cave, and right. I was like... I was just putting the shop together at that point, and I hadn't thought of calling it anything. But Julia, my wife, was like, you should get a shop near the house because it's the Mission District in San Francisco and we can find an industrial space. And yeah. uh, you should have half of it be for display and having meetings and hanging out, and the other half is mm-hmm. the shop, and it just worked out beautifully.
1: And then you started getting all these insane pieces of machinery, the industrial... I've
2: had to have... Some, some were so large I had to have them removed. Oh really? I think the last time you were there there was a giant milling machine there yes. which I actually gave to a school. Oh, you,
1: you it's just too
2: big. big. I never got around to touching it. It, mm. it weighs like 7000 pounds.
1: How do you get it in and out of there?
2: Um you actually have to hire guys with a flatbed and you act, you have to move the pool table mm-hmm. and then you have to put it back and level it which costs a few
1: hundred dollars yes. every time you touch every it. Every time. So it it's not free to get stuff in and out of there. No. And then uh, we're going, though. Is that what's happening? Are we just rolling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I've, really been enjoy- I've really enjoyed the uh, the show that you've been doing, like just the, the, the made show, like the make it. You're just making stuff.
2: And it's, uh, we're trying every different aspect of it that we
1: can. I mean, like
2: tested.com is such an incubator that it's like, oh, well, let's try building this, let's try building that, and let's see how that goes. And there's no, you know, this, you have no idea what's going to hit. And get tons and tons of comments and response. Like, uh, I know the guys at Prop Store of London, and they gave me a deal on this set of Samurai Armor from 47 Ronin, because the movie tanked. Right. And we just decided, oh, let's do an unboxing. Just massive amounts of hits. People went nuts for it. So we're going to start doing a a mailbag special. (laughs) Why not? People like unboxing.
1: Even if it was for a movie that they didn't see.
2: I didn't realize that it was huge with children. Do you know about this? No. Children love going online and watching their favorite toys be unboxed with to music. And these there are videos, hundreds of them, that have millions and millions and millions of hits, and it's kids transfixed watching Fisher Price
1: toys get unboxed. Oh, I've been doing it wrong.
2: (laughs) I know it's like I don't know anything.
1: Nerdist website should just be all people Opening toys
2: But tell me if you end up with this I end up going into my shop on the weekends If I have time Like we finished shooting Mythbusters for the year About three weeks ago Mm -hmm. And I got to spend some time in my shop But I feel guilty if I'm not filming it Or taking photos of what I'm building Right I actually am like this is content I'm wasting content At the same time I'm like I gotta just do some shit for myself And move forward with it
1: Oh yeah 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 I mean I find that too That if um if someone's going to come on the podcast and they're like, let's grab coffee. I'm like, let's do it after the podcast <laughs> because we'll probably blow through everything that we would have talked about yes. on the podcast, like all the catching up stuff. Yeah. The meal before is never a good idea. <laughs> it's never a good idea. Then I afterwards always... you just stare at each other. Yeah. I don't, we already talked about everything. <laughs> I don't know what to say.
2: I don't know. what. To but tested Norman will have been so much fun to work with on Tested. Like they're so game to try anything and to, uh, To give structure To anything It's like We've just been having So much fun
1: Yeah And what And do you have Is it all planned In advance Or do you just go Oh you know Today I kind of just feel like doing this So let's just do this There's a little bit of both There's a little bit of both um, You know, we try and record the podcast
2: every week Still entitled Project Which means, you know, I'm about to go on tour for five weeks So The well, Mythbusters tour? The Behind the Myths tour Coming to Los Angeles You're gonna get an email from me I got some comps for you What? Well, we're never go- Look, we're never gonna sell out the Nokia <laughs> That's <laughs> a- like 6,500 seats That's a lot of seats Yeah Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and they can block off sections So it doesn't look totally mon paw kettle in there But um, yeah on december seventeenth we 're coming through l a that 's the penultimate performance uh-huh. uh, so the show should be in fine form by then good we'll doing twenty six cities in twenty nine days
1: Oh my God, yeah all right, so you and Jamie are sharing a room right? <laughs> no
2: we, we have a total rock star we we, uh, we have we have buses uh, and the buses sleep uh, six crew members on each bus. In bunks and in the back of each bus, there's a suite, one for me and one for Jamie. And then one for beret storage. Exactly. That's the front of Jamie's
1: bus. (laughs) Which also has a mustache on the front of the bus. That's how you know it's Jamie's. That last time we went,
2: Jamie's bus was jet black, but my bus seriously had a tramp stamp on it. Really? It, it had a, des- a filigree design on the back that was a classic tramp stamp.
1: And it was on the rear end, too. Did his bus try to fuck your bus? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happens while we're working Listen, during the day. The buses do what the buses do.
2: You can't tell. It is very funny, though. The touring... The, you've done so much more of this than I have. But I found that you can totally get calcified just moving from city to city and never wanting to leave your
1: hotel room. Oh, yeah. It's hard. Y- you, um... It's because you expend so much energy at the shows at night, and all the things you think you're going to do during the day don't happen because you you just get tired. You get tired, yeah, and, and then, then you get wired too. Also, performing for
2: like I find we, our show ends at 10 p.m. I'm never asleep before
1: two. No, it's impossible. I'm you can't you can't come home and then just immediately relax. I mean It's not surprising that so many performers. A, a drink or do drugs because it's like they just some people just need to shave the edge off that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that's a good way to do it, but I, I understand. I understand why that process is happens, but it is it is weird to, you know, you're just like, huh? Ah. Is 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 Julie on the coming on the tour with you at all?
2: She 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 does. We've been finding the right level, Um so. The, the, we went to Australia, New Zealand this summer. We, oh. we did shows in Sydney, Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Auckland. Wow! Uh, and she came on that entire trip, and that was awesome because Australia is so big. It's like performing one day in New York and the next day, or and four days later in Saint Petersburg. Right. So you got to you fly, and then there's like three days while you wait for the bus to show up. Right. So we had lots of time to sightsee and everything, and I brought the boys out for two weeks of that. Nice. It was great. Uh, on this trip. I'm going out alone for the first week. She's going to meet me on Thanksgiving up in Montreal with the kids. Nice. And we're going to tool around the East Coast for a while. And then uh, I think I'm not going to see her again until I come back through L.A.
1: I think you should have a couple days where she pretends that she's a groupie and then you're like, want to see the bus? No, that's the whole thing is I go, (laughs) send me a girl. Hi, baby. (laughs) You're the perfect one. (laughs)
2: Exactly. The, uh, uh, the first time we toured, I never left the bus and I never left the hotel rooms and I, it was just felt really dark. And this last time we toured the last time we did the heavy duty tour, which was last November, December. Uh, I forced myself to get out every day and take a photo of something and blog about it. And wow. it was hard work. It was like I so didn't want to do it sometimes. And I would get three or four days behind, but it like I remember the trip really fondly. And now that's my thinking is get out every day and do something. Yeah, it's
1: really hard to get motivated to do that. And then also it's easy to get forgiving with yourself. You're like, Well, I gotta show tonight, I gotta to run messed got <laughs> up. But for me it's sort of um the 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 day parts when I'm on tour are just like kind of micro vacations in the sense Mm -hmm. where I go, well, I'm here to work at night. And so I'm just going to rest today because that's going to be, and then, and and so I actually, that's where I kind of cram in some resting.
2: Yeah. 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 It's true. It's, it's, it's interesting to find the balance. Um, Like I said, that calcification can get so dark.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and I don't, it's not like I just sit and watch movies all day. It's usually just just on the computer. Yeah, you're writing and you're surfing, and then all of a sudden, oh, what's going turn, on at Jezebel? You haven't <laughs> you haven't turned the lights on at all, and all of a sudden it's just dark. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like six p.m. and just like the the glow of the screen, and you're like, I guess I better shower. I have to go do, do a show. It can get it can get weird, but I've never done the bus. I've always wanted to do the tour, the bus tour, but um, but I haven't done that. I haven't done it yet because it just schedule wise I just have to pop back and forth all the time. Right, right, right. So That's it's really fun, fun to do it that way. It's nice
2: to it gives me personally who does not I mean I know that you work so hard to hone your material, you know, crowd to crowd and night to night and and sort of refining it and uh for me this show is very similar from night to night, but I also having written it one piece i you know I find myself wanting everything to be good, so I'll hone in on a piece that's you know the transition between this part and that part isn't mm-hmm. perfect and ha- doing the show six nights a week is feels awesome in terms of being able to see uh the reaction like I've really learned that you can make an audience laugh one night, but it takes a it takes real crafting to get a joke that hits every night,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it is just play I mean, it's just trial and error. It's just playing with it. It's just that's your machine shop. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just it's Deckard's gun. You're yeah. just over and over and over, and it's it may never be fully perfect, but at oh, a certain point, it's like there's this one joke that kicks my ass. I just know there's a laugh
2: in there, and I can't find it. I know there's a better laugh than the one I'm getting, and I can't find it. And I it a different wording every night, probably seventy times, and I have not yet found what what's I think the joke? is it, it's it ha it has to do with. Uh, uh, shark diving, mm-hmm. going diving with sharks and we had to wear this stainless steel shark. Oh yeah. Work with this one. Work with me on this. <laughs> so the story is we're going down to the Bahamas and we're going to be diving with sharks and the shark safety guys were telling us when you come down, you know, things could get dicey. If a super predator, like a tiger shark comes through. Mm-hmm. And so you'll need to follow our directions exactly. And I said, okay, but we're wearing shark armor, right? And they said, yeah, I mean, we're wearing these, this like stainless steel chain mail, a very fine mesh chainmail that sharks can't bite through. And that was an insurance company requirement. So we said, well, we're wearing the shark armor, right? And they said, yeah, but that stuff doesn't work.
1: <laughs> and we're like,
2: what? And then they explain... And this is how I say to the audience, then they explain that when a shark bites onto you, he, he'll, he'll, attempt, his, he'll attempt to separate your arm from your body, but with two methods. One is his teeth. Mm-hmm. And the shark armor will prevent those teeth from biting into you. But the other is he'll thrash back and forth. Right. And the fact is, is that whether or not you're wearing the shark armor, he will succeed in separating your arm from your body. The only thing the armor does is allow you to take the arm back
1: home with you. <laughs> well, and then at the end, Tony the Tiger Shark. It's great. <laughs> you know, if you, I find that when you ever come to the end of a story and you don't know how you want to end it, yep. just go, and then I jerked off. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the I, story is. I, I don't know that's going to work with my crowd. Well, I don't it's know. There's a just lot like, of children in the crowd. Go, the shark gave me my arm back, and then I jerked off with I, it. <laughs> I jerked off with it. I called it the stranger. Yeah, because it was like someone else's arm yeah, at that point. The not? shark did you a favor. Just kind of play with it from there and see how it goes. Happy endings. Yeah. diving, Mythbusters Without After Dark. Kidding. You could do that. The late show gets a little blue. After Dark. I've now got plenty of material
2: for Mythbusters After Dark.
1: Well, you did. St- was was it the first time you did stand-up on the podcast mm-hmm. in 2010? That was Yeah. Was that that long ago? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was that was like spring of 2010. Criminy. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm going to try stand-up. You were so sweet for letting me try you, that. But you did great. But then you said, and then I saw you a few weeks later, and you're like, I think I understand the difference between performing for your audience and then just performing. <laughs> because I, I did a set in Vegas. Oh, my God. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. And
2: more than that, my friend who's a showrunner for a big network show was there. And I mean, it was just, I wanted to go really well. And then afterwards, he took me out to dinner, and he's like, look, you need to understand that you went dirty really fast. And that crowd, that's not... Your crowd, that's
1: just a crowd. They don't and They understand. don't know you're doing that. They don't understand. Yeah,
2: yeah and so then what, it was funny. I saw Craig Ferguson perform at the Symphony Hall in San Francisco, and he opens his show cursing like a sailor and talking about how he's going to curse like a sailor. And I realized, right, he's getting the audience used to that this is a different Craig. Right. He's layering in
1: the... Yeah, yeah. You know, usually the audience will follow you anywhere. You just have to... Sometimes you just have to give the, you have to like clear the path a little yeah. bit, so you can do you know, if but in this instance it's probably not appropriate like these these audiences especially you know if if you're doing small intimate more alternative shows yeah. you could totally get away with it, but you know if you're if these are like theaters with thousands of it's people then it's going to be and a lots pretty, of families and stuff. yeah a it, lot of families in a broad
2: it know, ends up being and and. The, the, the place I get to really uh, spread my wings is when we have a super crazy enthusiastic crowd. With crowds like that, you can try everything. And yeah. you can sort of like let materials sort of expand and try different bits in there. Yeah. And that's where I get a lot of stuff. And then I'll go back to the room and I'll take some
1: notes. They record the show off the board every night. So I'll oh, do a little section. Here and there It's amazing And then you know You might not even You should When you're done You should listen to the first one And then the last one And then just Oh I had it. never considered that See how it evolves Because you won't Sometimes You'll notice bits and pieces Here and there Right But sometimes you don't really Have a bird's eye view Of how much it's evolved So if you listen to one And the other You're like Oh my god That's and awesome That's to, to totally going to be my to project To the point where the first one Might almost be unlistenable to you You're like right. Oh what was I saying <laughs> You know like Because you're just figuring it out Yeah How's Jamie doing on the road? Jamie's doing great. Um, You know, it's funny. He is is so inexorably
2: himself. Um, It's not like he loves being on stage. Not at all. But he loves the tour because it's ours. Yeah. It's just just us. There's no one messing with us. We make all the calls. It's our baby. Yeah. And that's really satisfying. Um, And frankly, on stage, about once a night, he'll knock some joke out of the park yep. that just comes to him and it's really lovely to watch him get like comfortable first couple of nights he might be a little bit rough but frankly once we're once we're rolling he's he's into it
1: <laughs> he's just he's probably not a guy that ever thought to himself when he was younger someday I'm going to perform in theaters for thousands of people for thousands, of, thousands people. of people we built
2: um we built a knife throwing gag into the show now and so he gets to actually throw knives at uh, at target on stage. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. I I started to put in we started to put in stuff of uh, our skill levels. So I have a juggling bit now cuz I mean, I juggle a little and it has a history and so I tell a story about about the origin of my juggling. And the, which well,
1: do you want to say that or do you want no. to save it for I'm going to say I'm going to save it. Come on stuff out, for the show. Come on
2: out to I know in LA no one
1: goes out but they you should come out. <laughs> You should. Come on, Los Angeles. Be different from the normal Los Angeles. Enjoy. I just got back from uh I just got here
2: from 100.3 where I did the My Turn thing. They allowed me to uh to DJ 12 songs for an hour. Oh, wow. They're going to air it uh later in December. So
1: was it uh, all Limp Biscuit songs or just uh... <laughs> all Joni Mitchell? I'm a I'm a sensitive lady. Ah, uh, Joni Mitchell, phenomenal, and it's been really interesting to hear her voice evolve over the years with the smoking. <laughs> I know now it's really like... now it's really down there, and it and it started. You know, her voice was always so angelic, but even even as it progressed, it was still good. Like it's still good and and listenable and, and cool, but. You she's
2: know, read. I was I was getting my kids into it. I wanted to show them. I wanted them to understand how Blue is like one of the greatest albums ever recorded. And I didn't realize that she's not playing a guitar when she sings uh California. She's playing a dulcimer, like a lap dulcimer and she's literally like do 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 and she's it's Virtuoso work she's doing It's really amazing you, There's YouTube videos all over Oh that's it. awesome Yeah with like 21
1: year old Joni Mitchell sweetly Playing this dulcimer The first time I ever heard The original version of Woodstock Is Just because I know the I know the sort of The grunge funk version That's Crosby that, that still and, yeah. and then uh, And then her version is Is way different it's, it, it, Like it really Her version really highlights The lyrics more Like it right. fits more With what the lyrics are that's we one of are those, stardust. We are golden.
2: It is one of those cases where I think that the cover is better than the song.
1: I, li- I like, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of, like. The, but it is, it is interesting to, he, you know, and then just knowing their relationship and how it all. Oh, wait. I don't know that they had a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't she with uh, Graham Nash, Joni Mitchell? Maybe. KD. Uh, no. <laughs> I thought they were, I thought our house was about them. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Let's find out. We're going to the internet. Katie Levine. I love Crosby, Stills, Nash version of Woodstock. It's so good. I love the ha, 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 at the end. <laughs> it
0: says that, yeah, he lived with Joni Mitchell and her two cats on their house at Laurel Canyon.
1: They had to add cats to make her seem a little crazy. Oh, we, <laughs> just two cats though. Just two. Cats. Yeah, old two cats, Joni. They called her <laughs> Joni Two Cats Mitchell. I love Laurel Canyon. That's where I would want to live if I came down here. Two years they were together. All right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I got the timing right, but I at least knew that they were together. And the reason I know this is because uh, my ex, Janet Varney, is... Uh, if you've never talked to her about Joni Mitchell, you guys will bond. Oh, nice. She was at the thing on Saturday night. The oh, end. nice. At the thrilling? Yeah. It's great. She's, Janet plays and sings, and her voice is very... I didn't know Very this. early Joni Mitchell. Oh, wow. She has an amazing voice. I wish she would sing more. Um, but I guess if I were really wishing for things, I guess world peace. and uh, <laughs> No more disease. And, and then at some point, like, I wish Janet would sing more. Okay, so I'm reading this crazy great book. What?
2: It's called Popular Crime. Okay. And it's by Bill James. All right. Who is... The inventor of sabermetrics, all right, like he's the guy that came up with a whole new way of looking at baseball statistics that helped mm-hmm. Billy Bean make the A's a World Series team that right. the movie Moneyball is based right. on. So I didn't, I knew about Bill James because I'd read the you know profiles on him in magazines and stuff, mm-hmm. but he also has this minor interest in popular crime stories going back hundreds of years and how they've affected society's look at crime and society in general. And what's the result? Well, he seems to be making a case that we look at prosecuting crimes in totally the wrong way. That we put all this weight on things like, and he was mean to his mother. <gasps> you know. And they put all these sort of anecdotal stuff into trials. And he makes the case that there are more balanced ways of looking at evidence in order to come to a point system for convicting someone of a crime.
1: He's moneyballing crime? Yes, he's trying to moneyball crime, (laughs) Crime which is
2: kind of a great idea. But it's not like that's the thesis of the book, because he's also just really interested in crime stories like the Lindbergh baby case and uh, the Black Dahlia murders. Uh, We just got to the onion fields in the Mm -hmm. book. Uh, And he talks about movies and books about them. He talks about the actual case. He reads every book about every case. So, you know, if it's something like the you know, the Lindbergh Baby, there's like forty books and he's read them all and will tell you these thirty seven are shit, but these three <laughs> are really good. And then he'll criticize and compliment the authors for various various stuff. I mean, we just got to this in the book he just got to, went through this really interesting thing about Stroud, the birdman of Alcatraz, who, I didn't realize, not only raised birds, but wrote books about the care of pet birds that he established the industry of Care for pet birds Oh wow Uh huh Out of a prison cell so In solitary So he's responsible confinement. for like Parakeet magazine And like all those Ex- Like p- bird fancier Yeah he was <laughs> If you go back He wrote the first texts on it Now he was also A really good writer But a complete psychopath Who openly fantasized About killing
1: children The entire time He was in jail Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that. I, no, I, was I a, didn't know
2: that either. For some reason,
1: I just pictured <laughs> it was like, kindly old man in a flawed justice system.
2: Exactly. And this is what uh, James says, is that the Burt Lancaster depiction of him as a kindly old man, a victim of the justice system, is one of the things that caused the Miranda rulings to come into play and caused all of this rehabilitation effort that actually went almost too far in the 60s. Now, of course, starting in 1980, we've, we've boomeranged all the way in the other direction, where it's like, just put them in solitary all day long and ignore them. Right. And he talks about how crime stories have led to our societal assumptions about what criminals are and what they're worth,
1: and he's just analyzing it. It's really just riveting. That's, it, it, um, it reminds me of, uh, what is it, uh, Eastern State Penitentiary, maybe? In Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. it's the is that Eastern State yeah is that Eastern State Penitentiary? It's one that you can tour. Yeah, that's the one. Oh wow! That you know it goes back to the. It's not inhabited. No, no, it's just it's basically just a tourist destination now. But it's really interesting because you see the evolution of prison theory from the very from the oldest part of the prison as they continued to build out, and the earliest part of the prison that was almost like um, it's almost like a monastery, and they would put. Criminals in there, to essentially reflect and find God or what wow. or whatever and in these and it was actually very i mean they were definitely isolated, but it was it was really beautiful and it it looked you know just like an, it looked like a monastery mm-hmm. and then over the years and over the decades, just how how the cells and the condition changed and the socialization of prisoners changed and how the politics changed and it, it and then you you basically if you tour it in order, you watch. You know, the the essentially the demise of this system and how it just kind of ends up turning into like a prison yard free-for-all kind of a thing. And then how they change their minds about no prisoners need to be socialized, they need this and that. Uh, and so it's, it's – if you're ever there, it's a it's a, a really fascinating facility. And where is this? It's in Philadelphia. Okay. I'm actually – I'll be in Williamsport next weekend. Okay, I'll well be the t- around there next weekend. The two weekend. things you need to hit are that penitentiary and the Mütter Museum. I've heard
2: about the Mütter Museum. I'm totally down with heading over there. Do they – is it specifically one collection of strange things or is this the one that has the Duchamp the, – the large Duchamp collection?
1: Um, I think there are, there are, I only saw one giant collection of things, but okay. maybe there are other collections of things. It's All like, right. you know, the man with the most impacted colon in the history of oh, the world. Okay. It's That's like, the M- Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, uh, Paul Saborn. Paul and Storm was yes. telling me I had to go to the Motor Museum.
1: Yes. Paul, uh, who lives the, in Philadelphia will take you to the Motor Museum and then also to really good Chinese food. Oh, good. Yeah. Excellent. He, I will go. He knows how to do it upright. I'm actually
2: taking the train over there. Oh. From New York Because I'll be in New York the day before And they were like You want to fly And I'm, I, the, our first show of the tour Is in Williamsport And Williamsport is three hours from everywhere Right um, It's hilarious When you really look at it on Pennsylvania and you see where you, go, you can fly into Cleveland You can fly into Pittsburgh You fly into It's three hours But there's a train That goes right
1: from New York Take the train oh, I love the train have, I you, have you done extensive traveling on the train? I've not done extensive train traveling I have traveled via train before um between Boston and New York and then also between uh Venice Italy and Paris via oh, Switzerland nice which was uh which was a good one that sounds romantic i it hope is. you were with someone i was i, I was think... i was with janet at the time this was i don't know 2007 probably but it, but the, but we got on this one old timey train that reminded me of the old timey train from Young Frankenstein, <laughs> where the couples arguing in English, and then they're on the old timey train, and then they're arguing in like Romanian or, right. or whatever, right. or German or whatever they're arguing in, uh, in the, the same exact argument. It reminded me of that. Like that, we got an old timey
2: train that reminded me of that. We 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 have my wife and I have done. Uh... Trips from New York to Montreal, San Francisco to Seattle, and a few years ago, we actually did New York to sorry San Francisco to Chicago, stopping for a few days in Aspen. Oh, I have a friend there who's a magician. That's and he's just up in Aspen. Yeah, is he the town magician? He is. I guess he would be the town magician. Yeah, he spent um, he spent well over a decade being the magic bartender at John Denver's bar in Aspen. Wow. Which, can you imagine the experience you get brewing magic for drunk people for like f- 12 years?
1: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> I've never seen anyone who can hold a crowd and flirt with a whole crowd of people like this guy's name is Eric Mead. He's amazing.
1: Uh, Aspen's really interesting because I'm not sure there's actually a middle class there. It's like the rich people <laughs> and then the people who work for them. And that's those are the two demographics. Total, like Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. There used to be a great comedy festival in Aspen. So is it still not still there? No, it hasn't been there for years. Really? Yeah, I may- didn't maybe know like that. ten years. Where is the big comedy festival now? Well, they moved the US Comedy Arts Festival to Vegas for a few years, and I don't know. I don't know now. I'm not sure if it's still uh, still around. There's one in Montreal, right? Yes, yeah, just for laughs. Juge pour rire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's where I saw my favorite favorite episode of the Green Room. Oh. Uh uh that the it was the episode with you
1: is it you, Tim Minchin? Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. Eddie Izzard, Judah Friedlander. Oh my god, so good. They those guys were fucking that amazing. Was, that was incredible. It was you guys fun. it
2: was like watching ever it was like watching big leaguers beat each other up with <laughs> baseball
1: bats. That was so much fun. You know, we did that show and I had to fly out the next morning. I can't remember where I was. I was doing a show somewhere. I had to fly out the next morning, and we did the green room, and ended up just hanging out with those got with those guys. And I don't think I went to bed that night because I wouldn't. Eddie Izzard. I'd never met him, but it was the first time I met him. And so he went back to the the main hotel in Montreal, which is like a Sheraton or something, yeah. where it's all the comics day, and then the the lobby is essentially like the Laugh Olympics of com of oh comics. Oh gosh! And so. Um, yeah, and so he was down there, and then just ended up just hanging out and talking to him and listening, and then hanging out with other comics until I was like, "Well, I got to go." And I went upstairs and got my suitcase and got on a plane. <laughs> that was real. That was a really fun festival that year. Oh, I can imagine. I had dinner with Tim just the other night. Oh, you did? Yeah, he's living here now. Yeah, Minchin, Yeah, yeah. he is. I think he's doing. Uh, I think I'm doing a show with him Friday night. Oh, nice. At Largo. Oh, with Sarah yeah. Silverman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's nice. It's nice to see. You know when. You know, we're all because we all just sort of a lot of times meet in passing or but yeah. those festivals are so great because it's the only it's really the time where you get quality time with comics that you like and respect and that you never really just get to see despite the fact that a lot of us live in the same city. Right. Um,
2: so I just had this really cool thing come up. Uh, the A.V. Club is doing a, asked for an article from me about my dad because they're celebrating one of the anniversaries of Sesame Street.
1: Mm-hmm. It's 45th. And-
2: 45th mm-hmm. 45th so my father did a bunch of the early animations mm-hmm. on sesame street really back in like 1970 71 and raised us uh making money by doing two or three animations a year wow can you imagine wow and uh which ones did he do do you remember any of the yeah famous yeah, yeah. Ones? and so i covered a bunch of them in the article uh he did one about harry likes to hit a uh, construction worker named harry harry likes to work high in the sky in fact For his lunch, Harry likes to climb to the highest spot in the building. and So the whole animation is just following Harry as he goes higher and higher and higher and higher. And he gets all the way to the top. And some guy yells, Harry, you forgot your lunch. (laughs) It's just like my dad's sense of humor. But in the article, I point out that later on, when I was 11 or 12, my dad hired me to do the voice for a character named Heathcliff, Mm -hmm. which was part of a series of 10 animations that they hired him to do of a boy and a girl trying to figure out how something works. Heathcliff and Sheila, he and she yeah, and they have ridiculous ideas of how something works like a faucet and then this creature named It shows up and tells them how it really works (laughs) and I haven't seen any of these in 30 years and someone in the comments section on the AV Club, I know I shouldn't have been there reading but someone in the comments section You (laughs) know better.
1: What are you doing? You know better. The one thing you can't fix, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no matter how many machines
2: you have somebody found one of those animations and uh, and it's on YouTube so i immediately tweeted the link to it and i got to, i played for my wife in the car on the way here oh. to hear my 12-year-old voice that's incredible and how
1: Ironic that right. it was about figuring out how something I works. Know, I was like, Julia was like, so you were myth-busting at 12 years old. That's incredible. <laughs> and then you just ended up expressing that in your adult life. I know. I, it hadn't even occurred to me that that was the subject of those. That's so, that's so fantastic. I mean, it's, that's when the internet works the way it should work. So the internet my, works my, for good.
2: My, my father paid me five bucks for each one of those I did. Um, Eats some one of the things I did the voice for, and then when we did He She and It, I was doing ten in a row, and so I was like, "Do I get fifty dollars? This is 1977. I'm 12 years old. Yeah, this, this that's a you giant could buy a Skylark money. with that money. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> and he's like, slow down, cowboy. <laughs> um, and instead, I got the Book of Lists too, mm-hmm. which turns out both me and Hodgman both Hodgman and I yes. received the book of lists too as young preteens and read it from cover to cover multiple times and probably knew all the lists
1: memorized all we had so much to go over when we realized God, those were so popular. The, the, the book of lists and then the, uh, and the Guinness books and all of them. I was fascinated by that stuff too. And the book of lists was the, was the Wallace's and the Wallachinsky's the writers of the,
2: of the people, the people's almanac. Mm-hmm. Um, and, It's just riveting. You know, it was like 14 people whose bank robberies went awry. (laughs) It's basically BuzzFeed. Right. It's exactly (laughs) what it is. Proto BuzzFeed. Yeah. Yeah. I passed by a store here in L.A. yesterday that said BuzzFeed on the outside. Is that Mm -hmm. where they are? Yeah. Yeah. They have a couple
1: buildings. Can you go buy lists? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Five things you could buy in a BuzzFeed store. (laughs) (laughs) Not a list. <laughs> Ironically, yeah, yeah. BuzzFeed—they're uh, they're doing really well. They've uh, they've expanded quite a bit uh, here in Los Angeles. But are you so? Uh, is I'm sorry if I don't know the answer to this. Is is I know it's. T- is Mythbusters still
2: going? Yeah, you're still on. We're still on. We still we just finished. So you know that Carrie Grant and Tori are no longer on the show. Yes. Was uh, that okay? That's okay. We didn't want that to happen. Um, that was sad. Very sad. I adore Uh, all of them so much. They're all so awesome.
1: I I saw Tori at the Emmys. I see Grant because we're in we're in our friend we're in a friend group. Yeah, and he's Um, down here now. And he's down here. Yeah, and Carrie, I never see, but I but she's always so sweet whenever I I see. her. She's awesome. So we've filmed a show without them this year
2: Uh, uh, since January. Was it
1: strange? Did it just feel like all? It's
2: strange and it's weird and it's like twice the work, right? Because we're telling the whole story. You know, it's not, they're, they were producing 45 or 50% of every episode and now we're doing 100%. Um, and that required a whole sort of shift in how the show looks and how the show feels because it's a structurally different show now. Uh, and i 'm really happy with where we got to with it just a ton more process there 's a lot more behind the scenes screw ups and a lot more kind of the trial and error of what it takes to tell the story mm-hmm. uh, and We replaced a lot of our GoPros with this camera called a black magic, which is you might know it 's just cinematic quality, little tiny camera costs about a thousand bucks and so we have I think four of them and So the show has a much more... Oh, and instead of the infinite focus of the GoPro lens, you could put prime lenses on these and get a very cinematic look, like a shallow depth of field Mm -hmm. where this is in focus and that's not. So the look of the show is really gorgeous. And they're going to start airing early next year. I don't know the exact dates yet, but I think January, February. And I'm really excited to see how they do. Um, We just, like I said, we finished three weeks ago. And uh, I'm not sure when we're starting up again. It's... Again, early in the year, but um, we're now at something like 270
1: hours we've made over the last 12 years. Jesus. <laughs> Is it? I mean, when you start gearing up for a new season, and you're like, what the fuck else are we going to do? <laughs> no, you know, it, I, the thing that I've learned to love...
2: The thing that I didn't realize was my job is the storytelling. The building and the experimental design and all of that is ancillary to the fact that you've, you're you telling a story from beginning to end. And right. that narrative process of figuring out how that story goes and where the chunks fit. And also realizing that there's portions of the story that the editors are going to see that you don't. Mm-hmm. We're just sending them footage. So they're going to get all this footage and they're going to. So you want to give them all the options and think that process of thinking through, how does this sequence fit to that? And how can I give the editors the ability to put this one before that if it works? Mm -hmm. Or uh, we might do an experiment and we know that after that experiment, depending on the result, We might do one of four things. In brain editing is a pain in the ass. Right. And we want to give the editors the ability to do any one of those. So then we'll talk to the camera and say, okay, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to record this piece, but I'm going to record it three different ways, depending on the results that we're going to get. Good luck. Oh, my God. I love that process. Like that to me is so satisfying and so much fun. And, uh, we have some fun guest stars. Uh we got uh Jonathan Banks. Yes. Who plays Mike on Breaking Bad. He came on the show. We had um we had no idea what to expect with him. Have you met him? Oh yeah. He's he's a lovely man. He's a sweetie pie.
1: Yeah. I, I just I like he showed up and everyone was a little bit nervous. No, he was, you know, uh, cuz he's he always he's always played a tough guy or a bad guy or a guy I remember you know, him from with. Beverly Hills Beverly Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Um, and he, um, on the last, when we did our last episode of the Breaking Bad after show, he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Of course. He was be. very misty. He was very, <laughs> mi- it's okay. We're even, I was like, his um, it, it's not that I don't love you and the show. I just, you know how you just get behind. There's a lot on, of things on going on. I there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on and you know, got has gotta carve out that catch up time on everything. I keep I keep saying myself like I'm gonna take a catch up vacation where I just catch up on everything that I that that I've fallen. Bill Gates apparently takes two weeks a year to read all the books. Sure, that he's got on yeah. his list. It's two weeks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have to Read those books. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they- I, there was a New York article about his philanthropy. And uh, it it only serves to increase your feeling that Bill is smarter than all of us. Um, early on, when he decided he wanted to give a ton of his money away, <clears throat> he reached out to uh, this one guy who's an expert at philanthropy and said, "What are the what can I do with my money to make it useful? Because you can't just give money away. You need to be smart about where it
1: goes. Well, and yeah, how they're, you they're, it out. they're 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 sort of so not." Political rules as much Although there can be But also social rules Like you can't just You can't just give a country Like a hundred million dollars And be like Good luck Like there needs to be Infrastructure Like someone has to know How to deal with the money They have to allocate it properly And
2: you have to teach them How to spend more money You might take an organization That could sorely use money But giving them ten million dollars Is just going to cripple them Because they don't know What to do
1: with it So you want to be able To help them spend it Which is crazy Because anyone who's ever won The lottery ends up really happy (laughs) (laughs) And then all their problems are fixed.
2: Exactly. So. Um, so he went to this expert, and the expert who has talked to many billionaires was like, ah, okay, here's a list of the 23 books you should read if you really want to give away billions of dollars. I'll see you later. And seven months later, he runs into Bill at this other conference, probably like Davros or something like that. And Bill's like, okay, I've only had the opportunity to read 16 of the 23 (laughs) books, but here's where I've come to. (laughs) Really? I just made up
1: like 10 of those. (laughs) I didn't feel like talking to you. Amelia Bedelia didn't need to be read for philanthropy. Seriously, does Horton need to hear a who? That was a joke, Bill. (laughs) Glad you got through it. I once, I once, uh, and Breaking Dawn. You really didn't see it when I gave you Breaking Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought that the political structure between the struggles between the vampires and the werewolves. No, Bill, please. Oh, that's Breaking Dawn. Yeah. What do you think it was?
2: I was thinking of the <laughs> Rescue Dawn. I was thinking of the Werner Herzog film. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was a
1: much smarter reference. It's <laughs> referencing Twilight at. <laughs> That's the name of the vampire, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the vampire. Good callback. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Um,
2: <laughs> I once had dinner with an experimental psychologist whose specialty was lottery winners, which in Britain, they really get screwed because you get the full sum right away tax free. <laughs> oh, like you, win, you win the Irish sweepstakes, 20 million bucks. They give you 20 million bucks. Bang. Wow! Oh, that's fascinating. What did he say? Not a single one of them's lives wasn't ruined by winning the lottery. Not not just not happy;
1: their lives were ruined by winning the lottery. So, what are some of the factors involved? Besides, because I can guess, like, it completely changed the social dynamic of your of your family. That's the
2: primary one. I mean, he had one where a guy won twenty million bucks, and he gave like six of his family members a million bucks each, and they all stopped speaking to him. Ugh. now I know that there's more to that story. Sure. Right? Like there has to be just layers and layers and layers. But yeah, the social dynamic thing and
1: being able to navigate it is really difficult. And also knowing how to you know, I remember I was in a car accident when I was seventeen years old and I got a settlement of like thirty thousand dollars, which and I was broke at the time, and so thirty thousand yeah, dollars might that's... to me might as well have been billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so, how what, quickly what followed was, you know, I think I got the money in March, and then I just didn't really worry. I was like, oh, I'll just buy stuff. I will just because it's very empowering to just yeah. go buy whatever I want. Yes. It's like a genie, and it, it's never ending. And by November, I was like, where'd all the money go? Like I had just blown through all of it, and that was supposed to get me through. You know, I, I did not. It was not a responsible. It was a no? good lesson. But it was not a responsible. It was not a responsible. couple of months. There was a. There was an article recently about a British garbage worker
2: who won ten million bucks or some m- multiple millions, which he spent a year spending on cars and hookers. Wow! And at the end of the year, the cars were repossessed, and he was back to being a garbage man. He was like, "No, it was cool. I had a good time." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and then all of the, you know, and then with, you know, with the prostitutes, you're not getting receipts and you can't get reimbursed for that. It's like, it's not, you know. Could you,
2: what, what?
1: (laughs) It's a hard good and then a soft good for seven minutes and then a hard good again.
2: (laughs) I will state that I'm probably getting
1: multiple. A second ago, you were referencing Werner Herzog and and now making boner jokes. Boner jokes are where it you know all how, begins. You know how it is. I've known you a long time. You know where this goes.
2: Actually, now that my boys are 15, I yeah. twin boys, um, making boner jokes is one of the fastest ways to stop them from messing with me. <laughs> because it's so awful for them to hear <laughs> the their words. Dad, like, say? The, 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 the time you were at Woodstock at Founders Night last year, yeah. they were backstage. And I went out and did you know 20 minutes. And I came backstage. And they were like, <gasps> Too many penis jokes. <laughs> Don't ever do that to us again. And um, a, a, a few nights ago, uh, I make them turn in all their porn delivery devices. Uh, sure. All electronics go to my office at the end of every day. Sure. So it's 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. They're, they've returned them. And now they're standing at the top of the stairs, and we're sort of shooting the breeze. You know, I'm standing at the door to my bedroom, and they're... Not going to bed. I'm like, no, it's time to go to bed. And they're sort of being charming in the way the kids can be late at night. And they're like, I know, we don't have to, we can still talk about stuff. And then we start talking about a movie and it's still going. And I'm like, okay, now it's time to go to bed. And because I'm standing there with my hands on my hips like this, Julia, my wife, she slips her hands under my arms and we start doing the routine where her arms Mm -hmm, are mine. mm -hmm. So I start Like the saying, helping hands improv yeah. yeah, so I say, look, there's three reasons You need to go to, she's doing it all great I yeah. Hold on, I've got to pick my nose And she jams her pinky into my nose Doesn't help, doesn't- they're like Yeah, that's not going to make us go And then I go, wait a minute, I've got to scratch my nuts And she reaches down And they broke the speed of sound Getting to their
1: bedrooms Parental warfare That's amazing That was the nuclear option thing one and thing two? Yeah. Are they are they still they still thing one and thing two? They are still thing
2: one and th- they both have girlfriends now. What? Totally fascinating territory to navigate as a parent.
1: Are they dating other twins?
2: <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> it's not an episode of Happy Days.
1: Okay, great. Um <laughs> the Fawns.
2: Um they uh they both have girlfriends and they're lovely wonderful girls and you know we're we we know their families cuz obviously we're all in communication cuz these are teenagers and it's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's just—I uh, don't know how much I want to go into it, but
1: no, you don't have to go. It's, <laughs> it's totally amazing. Just as it's, long as you, you know, just as long as you let the boys know, uh, they're smarter than we are. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful.
2: But Julia's wonderful insight into it was: we we're thinking, how do we approach? You know, it's our son and their daughter. Right. So this, that's somebody's thought. And Julie said, we got to think like we have to think like her parents, not like his. Oh, and I was like, that's brilliant. That's the exact right way to approach all of the problem solving with this equation.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, if the family comes over for dinner, you got to do the nut scratching gag again <laughs> just to see how it flies. When if if they if if like dinner's over and they're not leaving, (coughs) exactly, you gotta do this. That'll go over really well, guys. Before we have dessert, (laughs) we want to show you. Oh, look at this! (laughs) I'm gonna make a cake. We can do
2: a magic trick where we pull the figs from dessert out of my zipper. (laughs) That'll be awesome. And the kids, oh my god, could you imagine? Oh, they'd be scarred, scarred temporarily. My uh, my friend uh, Sarah Bunting who writes for Tomato Nation, that's her website, yep. um, she, she, she said that she walked in on her parents having sex when she was 19. Oh. And she said that was far worse than being six or seven. Yeah. Because they were... Then you know right, what it at is. At 19, your parents are, as far as you're concerned, old. And she was like, Mom was on top. Oh. It was gross.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure I'm supposed to tell that story, but there it is.
1: That's a good story. Uh, I I thought there would be a tomato involved.
2: (laughs) Mom, what are you doing? This is a reverse cowgirl, sweetie. (laughs)
1: That's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) There's no... You know, that, that's, that's almost kind of where you're like, ah, just let them learn about it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than... Google everything. Just, just don't walk in on the... I mean, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, it's good that it grosses us out because it's our parents, but it's also not fair that we don't allow until we're much older the idea that our parents are just human beings. Right. Just a couple of people that had sex at some point... And then well, you, all of a sudden, were tugging at their sleeve, and then you know.
2: yeah, no, I mean, with my grandparents, it was, it was inconceivable, right, that they ever conceived. That it was inconceivable, even to my mom, their daughter. It's totally you have no idea. My grandfather, picture Max von Sydow with no charm. <laughs> that
1: was my grandfather, and my grandmother was like Barbara Bush. I mean, it was well, yeah, because they didn't have waxing back then. <laughs> Oh, were you, oh, you weren't making a. I'm sorry. I thought you were <laughs> my grandmother waxing joke. <laughs>
2: nice. She was not Brazilian. <laughs> How many's a Brazilian again?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so she had the grandma toe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on, guys. We're having fun. You no, know, they're just
1: jokes Excellent <laughs> Excellent <laughs> so The Mythbusters Behind the Mythbusters <laughs> <laughs>
2: Our show at the Nokia will be a very family-oriented show. (laughs) With nary a curse in the evening. Not one. Not a single one.
1: So how long is the show and what's the structure of the show?
2: Uh, It's effectively a two-hour sort of variety show. Uh, I I don't want to... It's... A difficult show to describe Because many of the ways You would normally describe it Would make a certain swath Of people stay away mm-hmm. Thinking, oh, this is Family entertainment uh, And it is But it's sort of like We, we ascribe to The Bugs Bunny humor level Of playing it on multiple levels Yeah um, And, you know On the show on, on Mythbusters The TV show We really genuinely Don't know what the outcome Of most of our experiments Are going to be Like, we're just as mystified As the audience might be Or perhaps more so But you can't take that to a stage and say, hey, watch while something might not happen. Right. Uh, So, when we first started writing it, we knew that we wanted to build these set pieces to talk about certain concepts, but we put it under the aegis of thinking that from a scientific standpoint, how you look at something, your vantage point means everything. And that if you have two vantage points, you're going to have a better ability to sort of take something apart. Uh, And so we play around with the audience's perception of things, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively. But, I mean, towards the end of Act One, we bolt a camera to someone's head and make them see the world in our way and then make them run an obstacle course. Oh, that's cool. And it's really, really – I mean, for us, it's all like I just – I wanted to try that. Yeah. So I put a camera on my head and when I figured out the coolest thing to do, we put that on the stage and on Friday Jamie and I are getting together at M5 to redo it cuz we like every time we take it out we want to modify and play with stuff. So this time we're doing some really radical
1: stuff with the camera. So it's a full on like there's 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 stuff. There's it's a not, bunch of it's stuff. It's not just you guys on stage talking. There's oh no 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 stuff. no!
2: I uh, early on in the show, I bring up the smallest kid I can find in the audience, and I pit mm-hmm. him against the largest dude I can find in the audience. <laughs> um, and with a little physics, the kid always wins, and it's really really fun. We've got uh, some violence in there. We've got a huge. Um, we have a huge finale which involves some shooting. Great. Um, and it, yeah, we it, we take the audience both on a tour of. Uh, sort of our understanding of how we came to these jobs in science, and we also have a bit of Q and A in there because we love doing that. Yeah, you know, I, there's nothing more fun to me than talking to an audience that's interested in what you're doing and getting
1: really sort of interesting questions. It's, well, it's a special part of the show, and it's a part. It's part of the show that's very intimate for that particular group. Yeah. And it relates to them and you're you're interacting with them and it's a good that's a good it's a good part of the show.
2: Yeah, and it, Jamie Jamie really definitely loves that part of the show. He likes talking he likes talking to the talking to the crowd. Um he actually likes going out into the crowd. And it's very fun when you walk out into the crowd Vol
1: and it starts all right. <laughs> Get up oh, on oh. the I would love it if Jamie just broke into fucking like a standard song. I wish I could get him to sing for some. One time it would be so good. I, I'm telling you, like, it would be like a fucking applause break in your show <laughs> if no one ever saw it coming and then he just broke into song and then like sp- like you freeze, spotlight on Heinemann and he just like goes out into the audience and serenades uh, someone. I mean, you know, whenever we have a birthday on the Mythbusters crew, of course, we always
2: surprise them with a cake and we all sing happy birthday. And the joke I tell every single time without fail is, uh, happy birthday, dear Carrie. And then I go, sing it, Jamie. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Always a laugh because it's so ludicrous to imagine him singing. I, I even at one point, I think I wrote a sketch for us where I had him speak singing. Mm-hmm. Like Heartbreak Hotel, because <laughs> that's what the Fonz did. Remember that? <laughs> yes, the Fonz wasn't comfortable with singing, so he spoke. He some. spoke his
1: part. Yeah, yeah. And and Jamie is sort of like the Fonz. He's a little bit like the Fonz in the, in the in the degree to which the Fonz didn't give a shit. Yeah, right. A a, a-
2: aww. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed. I missed a photograph the other night. I was driving here in LA past this large martial arts studio, and the second T in martial arts was missing, or the light was out, so it said martial arts. And I, I was literally oh. trying to take a picture that this is where pirates learn to fight. It's like martial arts,
1: <laughs> karate, karate. <laughs>
2: we did a epic captain's wife's lament at uh, Comic Con this year. Oh last, you did it! Did year. you beat No we didn't beat Chicago No not Chicago We did one in
1: San Francisco
2: Was that the one that was like Almost 50 minutes long It was like an, Almost yeah, an hour We didn't beat that We didn't beat that But we came within like Four minutes of it And then the venue was literally like
1: We're gonna just turn the switch off Get your pirate shit out of here Please <laughs> we have to go home yeah. <laughs> How was Comic Con for you this year I didn't see one bit of I you. know you had your thing And I wasn't able to go it, It's Comic Con for me is uh, well. This year was actually it was insanely busy, but less insanely busy than the year before. The year before, Grammeltoe. I'm sorry, Grammeltoe. No, please, came please. Back. No, I appreciate. That. <laughs> yeah, it'll keep sneaking up on you like uh, like a butterscotch candy. So- uh, but it, it's uh, <laughs> it's it, Comic Con. I took I don't know, maybe six less panels moderating this year than the previous yeah. year. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was as... Like, I had time to eat at Comic-Con this oh, year. Oh, man. It's a, it's like an 18-hour slog. But if, it's yeah. an onslaught because it's, you know, panels all day, interviews all day. Um, and then we did At Midnight one night, and then we did podcasts the next night. And it just, you know, I wasn't able to go till Thursday because we shoot At Midnight on Wednesday. Right, and right. so, and Sunday more panels, and then I had to get back to work because I would be to work on Monday. So yeah. it was just a... Comic Con is it's work, 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 but it's fun work. and oh, no, I always I look forward
2: to it. I'm, I, it's like I get to bed at two or three in the morning and up at seven thirty in the morning
1: every day. Yeah, but I just don't have a lot of hangout time no. at Comic Con anymore. Which you know, I'm not complaining about it. Uh, I just remember that time a few years ago when you and Felicia
2: ran through the 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 con on Sunday. It was like practically empty.
1: Yeah. This For is, San Diego, practically. Yeah, San Diego. You guys just like, the last day. And you guys were just like, screw it. Let's go through Ran this. through real fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, fu- it's fun, though. And then I remember, I think, the first time we hung out at Comic-Con, you and Julia were laughing about something. And your heads came together. Oh, no. You know what it was? And I don't feel
2: like repeating it right here. But you told us the Bob Saget joke. Oh all right He
1: told us the joke That loses his audience Every time he tells it and Yeah like, yeah Chris, yeah And we've to- I've told the joke On the podcast before When Bob was on It was a joke That I begged to tell On stage <laughs> once And it grossed people out But I still thought It was so funny Which is I had a tattoo On my mom's face Put on my, my butt Because it was the only thing That kept my dad From fucking me in the ass And the moment He said that To Julia My wife and I we laughed so hard we both went down and cocked I our heard, heads together. I <laughs> heard the sound of your heads colliding, trying to occupy the same space. Is
2: there any better metric that, that we were born for each other? Yes,
1: and, and it was the, 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 now that you guys are both okay. It's see yeah, I can say, but it was the mixture of you're in pain, but it's like ah, ha, 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 like you're you're oscillating back and oh. forth between those two states.
2: I know And then about three weeks after that We were staying at the Mandarin in New York And we saw him get off the elevator And Julia was like It's him And like, That's him <laughs> And I was like Oh my gosh I can go say I know Chris And we could probably say hi And then the elevator closed And we uh, did get around to it When it was closing We were like Do you have a statue in my face? Who's that? What the He was trying to get out And was like
1: <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly <laughs>
1: Yeah. that probably would go over really would well go really <laughs> well yeah no but hopefully we'll get to you know I mean it's it, uh, we occasion. We sort of always are you in San Francisco no I'm not I'm working are you in LA I'm out of town like we just and then yeah Comic Con your people
2: and my people were like can he
1: come do and
2: uh, we can it's try so it back in, uh, it's like it's so diffusing crazy. a bomb
1: I know but but the intention is always there to hang out well so. it's just it's
2: it, that's the best part about Comic Con is one seeing having it be a locus of people that you want to see that you don't see very often but two is also like all just the crazy like backstage about to go out into a panel the green oh, yeah. room yeah so awesome it is it's just like it's, it's I just... got to introduce Vince Gilligan and Patton Oswalt watch the two of them meet kind of nerd out on yeah. Each other. <laughs> yeah but they had reached out to Patton to play a role on Breaking Bad at one point and,
1: and Patton yeah. was like I won't do this filth <laughs> 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 yeah. Screw you, Gilligan! I have morals. Uh, no, I'm actually because Vince is a huge comedy fan, and Patton is a fan of amazing things. So it is it is fun to watch people connecting. The worlds collided. You don't and watching people watching a list people nerd out over other a list people is funny. It's totally. funny because it just. It's very humanizing back there. You're like, oh, they're just fucking people. They like shit. You know? Well, so uh, two years ago, I took Thing 2
2: to the, uh, to the EW party. Um, Julia was like, I'm tired. Just take, take the boy. He'll have yeah. a really good time. So as we're uh, about to go in, I go, so here's the thing you need to know. It's going to freak you out how many people you're going to see in here that you like can't believe are in one place. Right. Everyone in the party is just as freaked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the one The other thing is Is that normally Celebrities try not to make Eye contact with people In public Right just, It's not like it's You try and avoid it But you try not to Encourage it Because You can feel sort of Claustrophobic Because yeah. a lot of people Are looking at you Especially the, the A-listers At these parties But at the party It's pre-filtered So everyone's looking around To see who else is there Right So go ahead And go up to people And say can I take a picture And thing two Met the cast of Workaholics Oh, which is, you've met them? I know them. They're great. Being around them is exactly like watching an episode of Workaholics. They're terrific. So Blaine, (laughs) he goes, my son said, hey, there's these glowing balls in the pool, but they're hard plastic. They're not soft. And my son had just touched one and figured that out. And he said that to Blaine and Blaine says, do you want me to get it for you? Do you want me to get it for you? Would you like me to get it for you? Because the previous year, Blaine had swum in the pool and gotten thrown out of the party and yeah. then brought back in. He's, and Blaine then goes and grabs the glowing ball out of the pool and carries it around and gets like hundreds of people to sign it all evening long. And at the end, he comes over to think thing and he goes, I need you to sign it because you made me get this. Oh, that's,
1: that's wonderful. <laughs>
2: it was amazing. He just went in the
1: pool in his clothes? What's that? He just went in the pool in his clothes? No, no, no. He actually oh, somehow in. grabbed a chair and, oh, used and pulled it, to it in to p- pull the fish in. Yeah. Oh, I thought he just jumped in. I wish. That would have been a good story if he had just jumped in the pool. It's th- that was a that was a very sweet story. But it would have been an epic story if he had gone in. <laughs> That's that that was the story. Here's here's the story. Okay. Here's the story, Adam. And then Blaine jumps in the pool in the middle of the party. He jumps out of the pool Everyone signs it, and then I jerked off. And then you spike the microphone, and you you leave. That's how that works. All right. You know, I feel bad. I always feel like I... I feel like I dragged down the level to you know uh, to fifteen year old level. I'm okay with hu- humor wise, but, but I know you are. But that's where I am on a normal on day. a normal level. Yeah, just, this is what it's like when we're actually hanging out. Oh, it's much worse than this. <laughs> it's far worse than <laughs> this. I just don't want people to think that I'm all of a sudden like like uh, hip checking you into Filth Town. No, 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 no. I know it's a funny thing, right? Because I am I'm I'm
2: I'm pitching. I, what do you call it? Stumping for the, the the tour that we're doing, and I you know I want people to know. About it, but it's, and this is the way that I talk, but of course, because I'm thinking, oh, well, families listen to this. No, no, no. I'm not going to be talking about cocksucking on stage (laughs) on the Behind the Myths tour. But
1: we're going to prove that it's a myth. (laughs) I don't think it's a pejorative, personally. <laughs> I don't know why it's a pejorative. I don't either. Let's 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 be okay with it. I
2: think we should, as a culture. As a, absolutely,
1: there's it's no okay. reason to think that it's something to be denigrated. Stamp of approval. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm uh, I'm hope that I can come see the show. That's a nice theater. Oh, man, it's wonderful, wonderful place.
2: Um, yeah, Nokia Theater, December 17th. Yeah. And afterwards, um, well, we'll have a
1: little gathering nearby. I
2: would love to so join. So even if you can't come to the show, come to the gathering. Good, I'm
1: glad, because I started to invite myself, and then I was like, <laughs> what if he was like, and we're having a gathering afterwards with some of the, oh, no,
2: no I- I'm actually, I know everyone in L.A. is really busy, so I'm sending out an invite,
1: both comps for the show, but also where the party is afterwards. So Good. Good. You well, can hopefully, pick and choose. I would love to. Well, please tell uh, Jamie that I said hello. I will. and um, He'll say, who's Chris? Exactly, yeah, <laughs> I know. And you'll have to remind him. And they're like, well, all right. <laughs> and, then, and then hopefully he'll break into song. He's on that Philo T. Farnsworth device you watch in the evenings, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> and continued, uh, continued success and science. Um, and uh, I, I'd love to hear the update. I, I, I'm actually interested to hear at the end of your tour... Just I mean, off podcast or if you want to talk about it in a recorded fashion, we can do that too. But I just want to hear your journey and like just how the bits all played out. I
2: totally – I will. And I love the idea of listening to the first and the last. I keep all the recordings. Yeah. Of, I have about 80 now. Um, but I don't listen to much of them except I want to fix a part. But now that you
1: said that, I am going to do that. I love that as an exercise. It's really interesting. It's interesting to see because it's, it's just hard to track your own growth as it's yeah, happening yeah. or just to see how things evolve. And, you know, if you add one little thing every show after 100 shows, all of a sudden it's this incredible...
2: Well, that's what happens. At the end of a month, the show is feels polished yeah, really,
1: really lovely. And a, just a when a you're like, way. I figured it out. And they're like, tour's done. And you're like,
2: fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do this version <laughs> for 30 Not to two. say that the early shows won't be great. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Let's no. be clear. Okay, shows one to four. Okay. <laughs> No, but it just, it's not that they're better or worse necessarily, it's just it evolves. Like, yeah. It just changes. Wait,
2: well, and you find different things. Like you, you have to keep it fresh, so you change things up all the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it's good to see you, Adam. Thanks for having much. me on. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone, and um, the end. And then I jerked off. <laughs> hey! Yeah!
2: yeah. <laughs> that was a white boy high five at the top of the mics. No, that was jerking off. <laughs> ah. That's how fast I am. <clears throat> One spank.
1: Done. One and done. Oh. Just out of curiosity, if people want information, where should they go for the. Oh, uh, MythBustersTour.com. MythBustersTour.com. We'll put that in the intro. Okay. Yeah, I'll put that in the intro.
0: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.